0: Hello and welcome to A Cast of Entrepreneurs, brought to you by the Entrepreneurs' Forum. I'm Elaine Stroud, Chief Executive of the Entrepreneurs' Forum, and together with Sally Cowling, our Head of Marketing, we've been talking to entrepreneurs from all over the Northeast about what it's really like to be an entrepreneur. We're getting the real insight into their lives and businesses. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of our podcast. My name is Elaine Stroud, and I am the Chief Executive of the Entrepreneurs' Forum. And with me, I have Sally Cowling. Hi, I'm also from the Entrepreneurs' Forum. And we are delighted to be here today. We've brought together a group of three fantastic entrepreneurs, all based in the Northeast, which I'll introduce in just a second, and then we'll delve straight into the questions and get going with the podcast. So on today's panel, we have Rez Gaujka from Mud Daddy and other things, as we'll I'm sure fun. we'll explore. Yeah, yeah. Go knock, knock. I'm sure Rez will be interested to talk about that. So hi, Rez. Hello there. We have Rosie Bath from Sarah Cotton, welcome, and Di Gates from Stick Theory. Hello, nice to be here. Well, we're delighted that you could be here and we're going to, as I say, jump straight into the questions and we're going to take your mind back to the early days and what we're really interested in, and we'll maybe we'll start with Rez. Did you, Rez, did you always see yourself when you were growing up as being an entrepreneur?
1: I haven't seen anything else except that. All the dream, all the plan was about it. Yeah. Um, it started very early, you know, uh, when I was growing in Iran, in the north of Iran. My dad always pushed us to the business, despite good education and everything. But we had a separate education in-house around the business because he was a business model. You know, I didn't find out this till actually I moved to the UK, that I was very good at thinking about the product, product service, whatever it is, just as a product for a consumer. And that's how it started, yeah. and never stopped up to now, so.
0: No, you don't stop. I think Rez is such a, your story is so fascinating. I think you're one of those people who is always looking for a solution to a problem. Absolutely, yeah. And Rosie, how about you? You're quite new into business. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see yourself uh, when you were growing up as setting up your own business or have you fallen into it through a different path?
2: Yeah, so um, when I was in school, I used to sell cakes <laughs> and then um, have like a tuck shop for charity um, and I just loved the whole process of you know buying in stock selling it and you know you know working with the team Um so yeah I guess from you know from a young age I was really keen to to you know go down that route and um, but when I was mm-hmm. in school, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and um, mm-hmm. I just knew I wanted to do something creative and also make a living. So that's why I went and studied fashion because I thought, well, everyone needs clothes. I'm sure I can, you know, make a living out of that uh, whilst being creative, um, and that led on to you know starting Sarah Cotton. Well, I'm, I'm glad you two.
1: <laughs> I think you
3: I I was always just driven from the desire to have fun. Yeah, and it's mine. Mm-hmm. The earliest job memories or career aspirations I remember having I wanted to I wanted to design fairground rinds, even though I hate them uh, I really wanted to be an inventor of new crisp flavors for quite quite a while mm. so for me I was just yeah always driven by having fun and doing things differently I guess it was university for me when I had the first t- taste of. Uh, independence, flexibility, freedom, fun. And I kind of realised that if I went and worked for someone else, I'd have to give a lot of that up. So (laughs) That was kind of my reason for always knowing I was probably unemployable.
0: So how did you make that move, die from university
3: to your own business? So for me, when I finished my master's at Newcastle, that was the point in which I knew I wanted to work for myself. So I went to the business school at Durham for a year and did a, an enterprise management course. So that was all the rudiments of, of, of how to set a business up because my degree had been in English. So when I finished the course at Durham, I still wasn't quite ready to start a business. I went off traveling for a year and it was when I came back from that in my, my early 20s, I met my first business partner and uh, we, we started a, a marketing agency and it, it grew from there. So, not a crisp business. It wasn't a crisp business, sadly, but you know, I'm certainly I'm 45, it's time. It's time yet. <laughs> I'm intrigued to know what ideas you had for different flavours. Well, do you know, we went on a trip to a crisp factory when I was in Brownies, and I think that's where it started. And it was, all, I love that tangy, you know, the tangy flavour you get on a Worcester sauce or a ketchup crisp, it was that. So, I think it would be, I would be in pursuit of, of, of more tangy, crisp options. I've thought about this too much. i It's
0: mean. <laughs> thinking and turning it into action. Yeah, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like you guys, you guys, modern businesses. And I, think, I think these two are very good at turning ideas into action. It's a
1: saturated business, so it's not and too big a player in the crisp business. <laughs> we are a master in the creating the flavor.
3: Yeah, the, the
0: tangy's done. I think I'm too late to the market. I think. No. <laughs> and Riz, you've had multiple businesses, and you've told me in the past about the story, but maybe share with the listeners here around how you started. I think your first business was the toys business. That's is right. that but correct? It
1: wasn't the first one. No, um, uh, the same as the uh, you know the same story. I came here to study 2002, and I was only 20 years old. And after six months, I said, "No, this is not my." Uh, study is not is not anymore excite me i'm not getting excited anymore so i just packed it in and i went working as a dishwasher in the uh, restaurant as a reflet guy just odd job just to make money and that's how i started it a long journey and i knew i have to do something so i started importing cheese from continent i just saw the gap if i bring block of cheese you know shredded packet is nobody is doing it let's let's do it and I done it. I done it for a good couple of years. Done good living out of it. And then I realized I cannot actually grow this one. It need lots of money behind it. bank doesn't even trust me. They don't even know me. They're talking about bring your, you know, put the a guarantee, put the house. I don't know, put something. And I didn't have anything. <laughs> so so I, I changed my course. I changed my course and uh, I started, uh, you know, doing the toy business, but it wasn't a straightforward business. It was buying the second hand toy from the market, from the people's house, collecting them, cleaning them, repack them, and then export them to the anywhere in the world. And it was doing great, fantastic. And after that, how Mud Daddy started. Mud Daddy came from my own need. I had a dog that walking down the mower in the Newcastle, full of mud, full of cow thing <laughs> and my dog just used to jump in with the head and bring it home clean it 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 was absolutely nightmare and uh, as you know now um, you know i i went out to buy the product i took okay, pet at home has something i will buy it i will you know wash the dog and done i went out i couldn't find anything amazon ebay online so i couldn't find anything. and at the time uh, me and my uh, wife we had some saving we had a plan to purchase the house we were living in around hundred twenty thousand, and i just told okay i have to design this product (laughs) because i'm dog lover and i know many people and that time even wasn't this big as it is today was much a smaller market Uh, and i spent all the money on the design registration did the tooling did the marketing all by myself nobody else i took the product to market and as you know I took it to the pet at home and they laughed at my face. They said, This guy, he's crazy. <laughs> you know, who wants to watch the dog in the you know, back of the car or back of the house? They have a bath, they have a towel, they have a shampoo. Uh, but I, I, I saw this this is absolutely opportunity. And now it's a fifteen million business. And they come in knocking our door, you know, can you supply mud daddy? And three <laughs> times we refuse them, We refuse them three times up to now. It's not about the refusing them. It's actually a standing my ground and telling that I was right and you were wrong. This is why you are multi-million pound, multi-billion company, and I was a small player. And that's how I started. it.
0: So Rez, I'm intrigued to know how you went from having the idea to then developing it,
1: yeah.
0: going from cheese to toys to then developing. What what did day one look like? Somebody
1: actually other they asked me the same question that you sit and you think about the idea and I said, I, I lo- first I laugh. I said no, that's not how it works It has to this problem. This gap has to exist already in the market if you're going to have a successful Product or the service you cannot just sit and think oh, I think this will be a good idea mm-hmm. First point is actually that gap and then work on it if you can resolve it or not and the same both my current product Mod daddy brand mud mommy brand and the go knock knock are, are on that base and you have to have a good team uh, without good team without good connection is just no way you can grow anything even if you have money behind it you need to have that team you need to have that and then is your drive not giving it up and then i'm sure that that you know market that gap in the market if the product is right for it whatever this service or product will become successful
0: And Rosie, with Sarah Cotton, did you see a gap in the market for the... Well, tell us what Sarah Cotton is and tell us how you spotted the gap in the market for what you're producing.
2: Yeah, so Sarah Cotton is the Latin word for wax. Um, so Sorry, Sarah is the Latin word for wax, so it just means wax cotton. And I was working in the film industry as a costume maker and I really enjoyed it. I loved the practical side. I loved looking back at old costumes, how... How we dressed before plastic. So plastic was only invented in 1907, but now it's used in everything, absolutely everything, particularly in textiles. So yeah, I was working on a film and I was making a wax cotton jacket and I just fell in love with the fabric. Um, I loved working with it. It's a really, you know, luxurious feel. I just thought, you know, what, what else can I do with it? Um, and I was going camping the weekend after. And I recognised how much plastic I took on this camping trip and thought, well, wax cotton, surely that can be a substitute for some of, some of this plastic. And yeah, so I just kind of, whilst working full time, after, after work, I would create prototypes, just think of ideas. Um, so I came up with the soap pouch, which is an incredibly simple, simple um, product, It's just wax cotton, but because it's water resistant, you know, you can put your bar of soap in your bag and it won't eat. And yeah, just incredibly simple products that, you know, I I feel like since plastic's been around, that's what we just turned to. And actually, if you look at how we lived before 1907 or even 19, it was 1950s when we really started to mass produce it. Yeah, look back to how we lived before and that's how we kept dry. So, you know, why aren't we using it more?
0: It seems obvious, doesn't it? And one of the Mm -hmm. things we talk at the Entrepreneurs Forum to loads and loads, hundreds of entrepreneurs, and usually the ideas, the really good ideas are just the obvious ones. Mm -hmm. And it seems so obvious in retrospect, doesn't it, that 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 is a good idea, like with your dog cleaning, mud daddy, it's very obvious.
1: uh, Yeah, you think we get that, Mm. why I didn't think about it? Yeah. Why I didn't Mm -hmm. think about it? Why I didn't think Yeah, It's so simple that Mm. even you don't think yourself, uh, is this going to work? Because this is crazy simple.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you surprise yourselves, and this is a question to all of you, that the ideas that you thought of hadn't been done before? Yeah, definitely. Well, wax
2: cotton's been around for 600 years. It was invented by sailors um, up in Scotland. And, you know, you know, brands like Barber, they've kind of cornered that market. But it's been kept as a very masculine Cut sort of um, military style look and aesthetic. When actually, it can be whatever you want. You know, I put prints on it. I put flowers all over it. I embroider on it. You can be creators of you want, creators if you want. Do you get people coming to you now with ideas on on applications to oh, use my like fabric? What's <laughs> been the craziest one? Horse coats, <laughs> and which just makes sense, it's complete sense. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Horse coats, golf kind of ponchos. So they're all good ideas, but I get I get them every day. <laughs> it's quite, this is where it comes to an advantage to live in a
3: really rainy country.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's a very good point, actually. <laughs> yeah. Connect to us very well, you know? Yeah. Odd that it could dogs. be in the middle of the Australian desert and I don't... <laughs> 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 yeah, it was right place, right time, everything right together, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think you do sometimes get that feeling of almost a zeitgeist, don't you? It just it feels like things come come together, Absolutely, and it's, yeah. it's maybe hard to unpack it and explain why. There's just a feeling that it's the right time for something.
1: Um, I agree.
0: So, Rosie, you're very early on in your entrepreneurial journey. What yep. what drove you to make the leap out of full-time employment into running your own business
2: yeah so my contract on um, the job i was on um it was a netflix job was coming to an end and honestly i was doing like well yeah 50 60 hour weeks and then coming home and then working till like two in the morning uh, living down in london and then i got hit by a lorry which was quite it was kind of like the I was just, after that. I was like, I just want to come home. <laughs> that's that's not a metaphor. Was yeah, yeah. On my way to work, um, yeah, Laurie went in the back of us, and then I got out to look at the damage, and hadn't realised that Laurie still hadn't seen my car because I only got a little car. So as I was bent over looking at the damage, I just felt like thing on my bottom, and then just flew across the road. Um, I was absolutely fine. Just bounced off, but then I, yeah, I just drove back to work. I was like, God, that's just been hit by Laurie. <laughs> um yeah that was I think after that it was just sort of a I hated driving into work I I couldn't I found it really difficult to drive into work because I'm driving to London every day and yeah and then I won um the startup awards northeast I won the high growth award and yeah everything just like you said kind of fell into place and I just thought you you know it's time it's time so yeah I moved back up um just after my 27th birthday and yeah I've been back since
0: so you've all chosen the northeast to set up your businesses. What what advantages are there? Di, I'll ask you that one first. Uh,
3: I think that I mean there's many. The strength, the real strength for me of the region is is the supportive, collaborative nature of the people here. So I've been running businesses here for coming on 25 years, and they're still opportunities opening up for me now. And I can track the origins of those and the people where the referral started back to people that I met within my first two, three years of business. I think there's a genuine willingness to support and enable others. You know, when we, we talk about, obviously there's competition and that's real, but it's almost, there's a feeling that there's, you know, if we support each other, we all win. And I, th- I think, you know, when I speak with people, my um, peers that are running businesses in other regions, they don't have that same experience. I think also, you know, as a region over the last fifteen years, you know it's all ending in June, but we have done incredibly well at being a member of Europe. And the or the ERDF and the ESF, I think it's it's created a support network and a support culture, which parts of it are bloated and 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 too much, but it's engendered this sense of connectivity that I think is really empowering for for people founding
0: and running businesses. And have you found the same thing, Rosie, with starting up your business here?
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, um, you feel at times you can't move for the support. Like There's someone offering workshops at every corner, which, you know, is great. But yeah, I was getting help from, uh, I went to Northumbria University and they've got the the Graduate Enterprise Support Scheme. So I'm a part of that and that's just been fantastic. Um, Yeah, it just feels like someone holding your hand and telling you it's
0: okay. (laughs) Riz, you're not from the North East. You're from the uh, north of Iran, um, but I'm you've Geordi, made
1: blood in
0: You're an honorary Geordie now, a bit like myself, yeah. um, and you love the northeast and are really passionate about making that the headquarters of your business.
1: Yeah, but when you were mentioning that you have support for me, it's not is not one thing. You know, uh, I, I could start the business any other place in the UK, and you get some sort of support they obviously all business driven area but for me some is feuding adding up very well for here first i have a great place to live with the family good school good friend network and then i think it has a very good base for a startup businesses uh, you do not, not need that high cost of like a bigger city much bigger city and the network here is on great For well, it has worked very well for my side uh, just asking few people, you know, can you help me towards this one can you know, direct me towards that one. And uh, yeah, it did uh, uh, magic to my business. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think the Northeast is incredibly supportive. Nobody says no if you ask for help. And I can't comment on what it's like to start up a business in London or the Southwest or a different area. But here, if, if I ask anyone in my capacity at the Entrepreneurs Forum, can you help me with something? It's always yes. Yeah. And the collaborations that we build within this region are amazing. We should be
1: proud of had, that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And a few time we had an article about the... Uh, because ModDaddy has been actually one of the first product it created category by itself. Portable dog washing device. As I mentioned this a few times in the past, because it's true, it didn't exist in Amazon search or Google search. It did not exist. So ModDaddy started And we had many articles writing about this ModDaddy. And I always ask you need to put the Newcastle name rather than UK. Mm-hmm. I want you connect the brand to the Newcastle, first and almost, rather than the UK. Nothing against the UK, just is my hometown. I want feel you know, people who read about it, they feel proud of it rather than connect it to the UK, which nothing to do with Manchester or London or anywhere else. Mm-hmm.
3: I think the nature of the, the relationships tend to last as well, don't they? Absolutely. Um, you know, I was contacted by uh, a woman who's part of Creative UK, Jackie, who's launching an initiative in the North East. But we knew each other from the CodeWorks board about 18 years ago and still felt happy just, you know, getting in touch to say hi and almost pick up where you left off
0: 18 years ago, which is something quite special, I think. Yeah, it has a big group of friends, isn't it? Yeah. That You know, you've got a big black book and we could use that and help each other. Mm. So just thinking about your businesses now and all of the experiences, and obviously, Rosie, you're in the early days, but Di, what's the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome in the years that you've had your own business?
3: Um, I think, as is often the, the case, the biggest challenge was was also the biggest opportunity, and that was the point when I sold my first agency. So I'd been in, in business for 10 years with my business partner, and it didn't end terribly, but it also didn't end fabulously. Um, the, the net, uh, uh, the, the end result was I sold my 50% of the business to an investor uh, to start start afresh. And at that point, I think the realization I'd been running this business from my mid-20s to early 30s, it was a really huge part of my identity of how I saw myself and my social network. Everyone in the business was, thankfully, still is uh, incredibly good friends. And there was a sense of what do I do now? Who am I without this business? And also my role within the business hadn't been that outward facing. I'd been in the business doing the work, working with the clients. Um, and so there was a moment when coming out from that, you know, running a business is hard and it's a lot of hard work, but there's an element of security blanket with it as well. And you've been running it, I think, eight, nine years at that point. Um, and so the challenge was to, I guess, reinvent myself. Um I'd been running a, a quite a traditional marketing agency with about twenty staff, doing very well, working nationally. But my gut feel was that model was broken. So this was around uh, two thousand and nine. The model was broken, and I wanted to reinvent a model wh- which was entirely fluid. So I still helped organizations on growth strategy, on brand strategy, on digitization, but I did it by assembling teams of freelancers and consultants, and that was a new model. And so there was it was a big challenge to come out to reinvent myself to, to understand if I still had a position in the market and if, if people would trust me enough to run this new model. And um like 14 years later I can say that it's worked. But yeah, it was it was a very big challenge from a commercial perspective. But also I think personally reinventing myself and and yeah being quite nervous I guess to reintroduce myself back into the business networks as as me as opposed to as director of my business.
0: So you were you essentially going into competition with your former self? Kind of. But one thing I realized
3: very strongly was because I'd started that business so so young, I kind of I wasn't truly myself. I was kind of like I guess I'd invented a business version of dye that I felt was more like you should be in business. So I dressed in a particular way. And it was you know, it wasn't about intentionally being fake, but it also wasn't being truly myself. So I think when I lost the shackles of that that business, um, I was able to go out and and run a business truly in the way that I felt it should be run with, and and in a way quite selfishly as well, because I was not accountable to anyone or to any team members. And so it was challenging maybe some of the norms that I'd helped to establish. And maybe not something that you recognised when you were in that no. business Absolutely. until until you're out of it, and it's then hindsight isn't it? And I, you know, yeah, everyone. I loved every minute of running the business. It was it was tremendous fun. It was very satisfying, challenging, hard work, but brilliant at the same time. However, you define an entrepreneur, but if you are in the in the you know in the mode of not working for the people and doing your own thing, you you tend to enjoy a blank piece of paper. You and you tend to you know, enjoy the the ability to kind of start again, to refresh, to invent something new. And so much as it was a challenge coming out and figuring out a new way forward after after my first business, it was a great opportunity as well to to reinvent both myself and the model that I wanted to
0: take to market. One thing we're learning on this podcast, when we ask entrepreneurs about challenges, they turn it around and the answer always (laughs) is, It was an opportunity, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's a, that's a you know what entrepreneurs are all about is recognizing that yes, this is a challenge, but how can you navigate your way through that? I think that? and getting a bit excited about it. It is. I think there's an assumption, isn't there? When I mean, it was interesting to see if you feel this at the early stage of your
3: business, but mm-hmm. there's just an assumption that you will get around it. It's just a question of how. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key thing, isn't it? And then that's what becomes quite interesting. How yeah. fast? And how fast? Yeah. And how fast. Mm-hmm. yeah. And who you need to help you, but there's always an assumption that you will you'll get to the other side or you
0: get to where you want to be. And the fun is figuring out how you're gonna do that. Yeah. So Riz, tell us about your biggest challenge and how you've managed to find the fun bit and get to the other side. It
1: was few. It wasn't just one <laughs> to point out. It was many of them.
0: That's why the question was what is what was the biggest challenge? The biggest, so pick one and tell us. About
1: that's it. building the team, you know. I knew I have to have a team I I c I'm I'm not the you know patient person I, I would like to grow the brand in the six months and no you know with it but we I mean, know it's not reality so i knew i have to have the right people in the business and when i start looking uh, you know around for a right but that was for me very challenging because you meet lots of people and lots of people offer their service and they want to come and work for you or with you but they are not right they have all sorts of uh, resume, C B, but they are not right. And that was for me very challenging to handpick the right one.
0: So tell us about your recruitment process. How do you how did you pick the right people? Uh, uh,
1: up to now the best way it worked out is the student who finish university who are full of energy, but they are not actually a in the field. We need them. They come and they work with us for a few months and then we we'll find out if they are right or not. And all seven people which work in the office, they been, you know, recruited one way or other similar strategy. Uh, The girl came to just have a work experience. And on the second, I realized she has over 40,000 followers on Instagram because she does this hand drawing for a cat and dog and mouse and rat and elephant, but it's beautiful. It's absolutely great. And I asked my wife, which was office manager at the time. I said, how much are you paying her? says, so, oh she's it's not paid, it's just work experience. I said Best, start the <laughs> conversation right now. We need to keep her as a you know part of the team because the potential on her is great. Is a first job, not experience, but I can see. And one year down, she's our uh, brand manager right now.
3: That's amazing. So you yeah. let you let the skills come out and then let that define the role
1: that they yes, play. Because uh, you know as a manager or as a business owner, sometimes you think all the cost cutting cost keeping the, you know, mm-hmm. lead on the cost, uh, one month salary, two months salary, three months is a cost, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, you need to let them to run with the idea. And this happened multiply time now. So I realized that actually is very good uh, strategy. And then the other thing, Elaine, <laughs> know this one, we hire ladies more than the moms. Okay. Especially if they are mother uh, or especially they are. You know, good in the time management. Yeah, it, it worked very well. Yeah, I'm
3: I used had to juggle. I,
1: I had to get rid of lots of men, and I kept <laughs> all the order. <all> the... <laughs> good
3: to see you booking the trend. Yeah.
1: It's, a, it's, a, it's a fact. It's not that I'm making. I'm making it. No, it's a fact yeah. that they manage. And we are nine till three. We are not like eight till five. We, our working office is nine till three. In these short hours, you have to be productive. You have to be good at what you do. And they do a much better job than the guys i have
3: well I, I think we're we're in the midst of a revolution at the moment aren't we on how workplaces work and i think you've captured the essence of it you know you, if you can create a place where people can use the skills they want to skill can be a part of a team they want to to be in, and and are working there on their strengths not just being told what to do and being micromanaged i think if you want to Retain your team. You've got to give that freedom, haven't you? And
1: I personally hate manage anything, mm. and I don't know why is that. Since I was a child, I didn't like to you know, tell people what to do or what. I like to let the, the person to run with the project, mm. and if it uh, shows that she or he is good at it, then you are part of the team. Mm. If he's not good for us, then you know, is the uh, easy. So, easy.
3: thing.
1: Yeah.
3: I remember learning a lot from. Um, when we restructured the first business, I was quite young. A lot of the people that worked for me were either were several years older than me. And we engaged a, a guy, joined us to, to run our, our creative team. And we had a big pitch coming up. And uh, we needed to crack the concept. We needed to get the creative concept right for this campaign. And uh, this chap said to me, I need to go surfing. I was like, what? I need to go surfing. I have my best ideas when I'm surfing. And every bone in my body that naïve me said, I'm sure that's not what you do in business. But something about him was very convincing. So I sent him off surfing, <laughs> got the idea straight away, came back and we won the pitch. So there's something about trusting people, isn't there? Allowing them to play to their strengths
0: and, you know, not always assuming you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's an interesting approach as well with people coming mm. out of university who don't know what they want to do. Mm. So you've got the, to make this big decision, but if they come and work for you, maybe Res, they come and they can try different things out and then you can see where their strengths are. So it's it's really plain to the strengths of the person rather than One of the fitting men, in.
1: Uh, which we have now uh, this is exactly how it happened. Person study the architect in the mm. UK finished three, four years time. He came out. He wasn't even sure why he started studying uh, to become architect. And we hired him. And first couple of months, he was terrible in the timekeeping. He was very bad in the many things. But I, I had a feeling he's good in the few things because I could see that he's doing something right. And he, uh, he's now, you know, big part of our grow because he managed the project very well he managed so good and it's nothing to do with what he is studying in the university. I know studying is good, you know, uh, it's nothing about the university or nothing against the university. But I think you have to let them to choose their own path if they are not sure what they want to do. And it it works out, yeah, works out very well for us and for many other people I spoke with.
0: Yeah, I think culture and getting the culture right in your business is absolutely fundamental. And I think the culture's left from the top, so it's your business. So you can choose the culture, but then it's how do you make sure that everybody across the entire business gets the way that you think, because that will make your business, will it, if everybody is singing from the same sheet. It's true. I've been running a big research project this year called the Connection Story. I've been speaking
3: with heads of people and heads of culture, and doing a lot of research into the area. And especially now, we're working in in hybrid workplaces, so we have proximity bias and all sort of other factors coming in. So, trying to create and and. And manage a, a, a united culture when everyone's working different times, different places is really challenging. And I think it just comes down to actions are louder than words. So we can all paint values on a word or we can all put it in emails. It's it's whether you use your values, whether they're clear and understood, whether you use them to make decisions, whether you use them to decide on working policies, whether you use them to decide how you promote and how you manage. You've, you've got to use and act on your values and, and people can see and feel that no matter where their place of work and i think you know perhaps previous to now we could get employees could get off the hook a little bit more now it's it's got a very transient workforce at the moment so we we can't get away with much you've got to put your money where your mouth is i think
0: yeah absolutely rosie do you have any employees yet or is it just you at the moment no it's
2: just myself yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah but um hopefully one day i'll um yeah it's great to hear from you know people who are a lot more experienced
0: than I me mean, learn from them and yeah fingers crossed <laughs> Rosie what's your biggest challenge been in this sort of few months since you've started up
2: yeah so um so I, I would say um finding plastic free components um I know that's only one part of you know starting a business but um yeah, my one of my values is to be completely plastic-free, um, and even zips that are cotton—they have plastic woven in to the weave. Um, so yeah, that's been a challenge. It's really, really difficult to find things without plastic and packaging. I think it, it's it's uh, it's improving. So there's a lot more small businesses coming up now with plastic-free tape and you know plastic-free packaging, but. It's you have to look for it. It's not just sitting on the shelf waiting for you to grab.
3: sounds like you're probably trailblazing, aren't you? You're creating these pathways to find these products and these parts. And then how do you feel about the fact that, you know, someone next year is going to be, you'll have trodden that path, so they (laughs) can find them. How are you going to protect the advantage that you're creating for yourself by finding these parts?
2: Yeah, well, I'm quite kind of transparent about all the materials I use. And even on my website, I've put not, you know specifically but where i've found my materials and what they are and what exactly is in them because i think businesses need to be more transparent and if i'm claiming to be eco-friendly i need to back that up so actually you know wax cotton has been around for so long i can't protect that um, and i i think it would be beneficial if more people used it if more people um if it became more mainstream so um you know it's more recognizable that would actually be quite beneficial to my business. and Grow your market, grow marketplace more. Yeah. more because yeah. at the minute, I'm I do really well in person at pop ups. I had a pop up in Harvey Nichols, which went really well, and Boots. And when I'm talking in person, I can explain, you know, the history of wax cotton and why it's such a great substitute for plastic. Whereas, you know, if a big company decided to do what I was doing, it would actually probably benefit my business because then they could put all millions into the marketing spend and then
0: i could just piggyback up with that are you doing <laughs> you're doing a little bit like what Rez is doing in creating a new category yeah it wasn't that category for mm-hmm. dog portable dog cleaning
1: portable washing devices
0: devices at all it didn't exist and you've invented that and you've People created it
1: wash their dog in the bath or sponge on mm-hmm. the bucket outside or no wash it at all
0: <laughs> so have you seen off the back of your success, and you really yeah. the success.
1: are they yeah. copycats? We, we are budgeting every year now, past three years, £50,000 just to fight the copycat. We've been very successful mm-hmm. because the pattern and design are very strong at the moment. And that's why five years ago copycat. But now what they do, paint it any shape. They just put brush on it, they put anything just to sell it. But it surprised me how the brand recognition has been strong. Mm-hmm. And it, that comes from the how we build the brand from the scratch. Well, first of all, a very memorable name, the customer service we provide, for, at first we had really a struggle that we are not just one product we sell and get rid of, that's it, finish. We have a three people sitting just for a customer service mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Anything wrong with your product, even after three years, if we can fix it, if we can replace the part, because good thing about Matt, that is you can replace the part and you have a brand new product. And that's how now people understand, oh, this product, this Newcastle-based product is actually, you know, we can trust it, we can, you know, buy anything from them and they they will give us good customer service.
0: You want but, people to be emotionally connected with your brand, don't they? And yeah. to love it. And then they'll become advocates for it. Awesome. The same as they yeah. were with Rosie's products, if they see that use it, they'll tell their friends and just build that loyalty.
1: Yeah, that's how we started. Uh, we didn't have a budget for advertising. First 2,000 piece we asked people just send picture and video, and they went crazy. They washed it all. They put it on their Instagram <laughs> without any budget, and it worked very well. Uh, so again, another point when we mentioned that everything came together, that even Instagram grow was right time at the right place. So it, it worked out very well, yeah.
0: One of the things we talk about a lot at the forum is inspiration because I kind of think entrepreneurs still need inspiration. You're all brilliant at coming up with ideas, but getting new ideas and finding space to think about ideas is quite a challenge. How do you maintain that level of inspiration yourselves? Um, well, I'm lucky enough because I run a
3: service business. I work on on a project basis with lots of different clients. So I kind of I'm exposed all the time to amazing individuals running and scaling businesses. So it becomes, well, yeah, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I'm working with the people every day that inspire me. Course of a year I might work with 20, 25 different businesses. So I can spot trends. If there's if there's if there's a recurring problem that's a challenge for five, six, seven, eight of my businesses. The clients that I'm working with, then I can start to spot. this. there's some there's some change, like you said, you spot the opportunity. So you ask the rounds and if if the market confirms there's a need, that's where my new my new ideas for new products or services or approaches come. So I'm kind of I've kind of got daily inspiration sort of built built in my model, which is quite quite lucky.
0: That's quite nice. <laughs> yeah, to make it self fulfilling. How do you two get new ideas for new products?
2: I guess working with customers as well. So. I I sell mainly online, but um, when I've been attending markets and pop-ups, I'll ask people, you know, what do you like about this? What else would you like to see? And then they often give me, like I said, product ideas, (laughs) some of them are quite wacky but some of them are like oh actually that's a really good idea so yeah finding exactly what people want you know just asking them it's quite simple just I, do, I think you, f- you find ideas don't you from you know if we realize
3: we've got two ears and one mouth and we use them in that proportion so we try and listen
2: mm-hmm.
3: more than speak it's surprising what mm-hmm. you know what ideas and inspirations strikes. yeah definitely
1: for idea in, is it I categorize it in a two different ways Idea within the brand or is completely new idea. So on that phone, we look at the data, what customers are talking about, what the trend is about product. For example, what daddy, we needed soft brush head. Not everybody like harder brush head. So we brought it out and successful or bigger uh, capacity than a small one. But on the new one, I had to control myself in the past three, four years because uh, it just wasn't uh, right. In the morning, I used to wake up, I'm going to have an airline this morning. <laughs> and uh, connecting, you know, to anybody who knew about the airline to find out how I can start airline. Next day was different thing. Every day, new idea was coming up. So I, I study, I learned lots of things. I have to tell no on the daily basis to many things. On this note, came from actually a Steve job because his book, his uh, chat was for me is like a, you know, it's somebody telling me this is the way you need to do. You have energy, put it in the right place. Not every idea are workable. <laughs> so I stopped, I stopped in the many, many places. Tell no, 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 no. And it worked out very well. Yeah. I found a new uh, way for myself for a new idea making new, uh, you know, generating the uh, energy behind that idea.
0: So, who do you share your ideas with, Res? When when you wake up in the morning and say, "I'm going to start an airline," mm-hmm. who do you share that with? And who says no? Is it you?
1: Or- well, um, Elaine has the experience of uh, speaking with my wife, and uh, she she is the person who always uh, get the first idea of the, you know, what's coming.
0: I did this say morning. to your wife, "What do you think every time you wake up?" And she says, "I just don't know what today <laughs> is going to bring." But she's a, she's an amazing lady herself, and she's helped you a lot.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, but but recently, I, I think about it by myself. That's the best way forward. And I I write um, the paper. I I make a book of it. I have like a book, three book with the hundred page in the each with the different idea. It satisfies me. It's part of my journey. It's part of who I am. And I think my daughter, my little daughter, is the same because she doesn't. She knows what I'm doing. She know, but she's not in the day-to-day life with me. But she's very similar to what you know I, I do at the moment. Every day, new idea, what something.
0: You do this morning when I've be, I've been driving up from T back here, and there was an article on the radio, and it was saying that as an entrepreneur, you should write down three pages of A4 just to download what's in your head every single day. And there's a term for it, something like moments. Journaling is a bit. It was a bit like journaling, but there was an actual term for this and it was right three pages of A4 was very specific and said, write that every single day. It doesn't matter if it's the same as you wrote yesterday, that will just clear the space for you to then go on with your day, which is a little bit more like what you've been doing is, I'd love to, to get them. into your diary and see yeah, all the I ideas. Well,
1: oh, you you will be shocked. You will never talk before
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe see it. See <laughs> it.
1: Yeah. When's it getting
0: published, Trez? Yeah, when,
1: I don't think it's going to be published. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it, it's just good for myself, you know, I, I Read. I even go back sometimes. I uh, check the one which I wrote like seven, eight years ago, and it surprised me what you know what I was thinking at the time.
0: Are there any good ideas in there that you would go back to? Yeah.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and uh, when I go to the good one, actually change my life and change the business. I don't know how it came, but it, it did. Yeah.
3: I've got I've got a similar thing in my voice notes in my phone when I'm out on, on walking the dog mm-hmm. and I have an idea, I kind of voice it out I very rarely listen to them back if I'm being honest, but it's it's to get it out, out of the head. So yeah, my phone is full of the most ridiculous voice notes. Mm-hmm. And then if if I've got an idea that I think actually could be a goer, uh, my little default is I try and sketch out a homepage. <laughs> what would this look like? Who who who's this idea for? Who would buy this or be interested in? Can I sketch out a homepage that's got a headline and a graphic and some key content that would interest that person? And if I can't do that, then I think
1: yeah. And ideally, you mentioned you hear, you know you're listening to radio and that person was telling do it this way. For me, that will not work because I would like to design even my own way of thinking rather than listen to other people telling me how I have to think or how I have to write. I will do my own way, anything I want to do. Do you know what I mean? Because it gives me the freedom I want. So that's why I, I can think about business, about the product, about the more it is.
0: And you mentioned before that you, you did take guidance from Steve Jobs and what he said.
1: Uh, his book is, is, uh, old, old uh, I, I have watched him possibly two, three thousand times. and I read his book possibly five times. It's just a natural connection for me. <laughs> because of the thinking because of telling no that no telling wasn't part of me few years back and since i started telling no to many product to many people to many things it worked out. And that's why I connected to the, his opinion, his idea. Yeah.
0: Is there anyone, Rosie, that you've taken ideas from? Is there a favourite entrepreneur that you would look up to and say, actually, I really like the way they go about doing things? Yeah.
2: So there's a shop in Tynemouth called Buy the Kilo. I don't know if anyone's been to it. It's just turned four, actually, at the fourth birthday. And they're a zero waste shop. And they're not just a zero waste shop, they've built a community of people who are interested in um, eco-friendly products, so they run events, they have currently got an art exhibition in Time Station, they do clothes swap, close swap events. Yeah, so even though, you know, it is, it's a small business, but they've managed to really create their own community, which is really
0: powerful. And Di, do you read any books that give you inspiration or listen to any podcasts? Do you know? I still don't listen to podcasts.
3: I don't know why. It's ridiculous. I still tend to do absorb most stuff through through reading. So I'm a huge fan of anything of NNG, Nielsen Norman group. I'm fascinated by all things around design thinking, systems thinking. So um, their content is I always find really inspiring. With the work I've been doing this year around human connections and and future of work, anything that says Harvard Business Review, I tend to click on and read. So I'm I'm still an avid reader when it comes to I, I just find the the format works for me. If it's audio, I tend to squeeze it in times when I'm busy, so the audio content would only get my second level of attention. I shouldn't be saying this when I'm doing a podcast. No, <laughs> but um, for me, for me, it's, it's reading content that tends to work. We'll switch
0: you to podcasts. Yeah, sure. Want a challenge? Yeah, this can be the first one you listen to. <laughs> and we were going to ask you about mentoring and who you turn to. I guess. To get advice if you turn to anybody. So, the question is Have you sought help in your own journey from a mentor, whether it's a mentor in the sort of broad terms of a mentor or a person that you can go to to bounce ideas off? That was one of the biggest benefits for me from selling the agency and,
3: and founding Stick Theory was the ability to say, I don't know stuff very, very formally. I felt when I was representing. Uh, you know an advice brand a consultancy brand uh that was an agency i always kind of i always felt if i said i didn't know something i was saying that the business didn't know it which i think is incorrect but that was how i felt so when i founded stick theory the very first thing i did was make a list of people that had just inspired me impressed me or been doing interesting things and i reached out say can i please buy you a coffee and pick your brains absolutely every single individual said yes and that's something that i still regularly do so I don't have. I've never. I've had a couple of times where I've engaged engaged a coach to help me through specific challenging chapters in my life. But I regularly reach out if I know someone's been through an experience I think could be relevant to me. I don't think twice about reaching out, saying, "Can I please buy you a coffee?" Because I'd love to know more. Um, I've always done it, and I honestly don't think anyone's ever said no. I think it's absolutely invaluable.
0: And one of the things we were talking about on an earlier episode is. When you go to ask for help, are you asking for a specific need that you have in your business, so you've identified you could do with help with this particular problem, or do you ask for more a generic conversation? I'm always interested in people's recent experiences, so
3: I like look at work. I work a lot, for example, with organisations pre and post acquisition. So if I know someone or 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 I've got kind of a connection with someone who's just been through that, I want to soak up how it was for them, their experiences. So it's people. It's rarely. I can go online and find bits of knowledge. Can find out about tools, about processes. You know, this, we live in a, an abundance of learning information. I'm interested in people's personal experiences of situations, challenges, contexts that either I'm facing or my, my clients
0: are facing. Yeah, we all the war stories, don't we? We yeah. want to know what it's actually yeah. like and what pitfalls you can avoid. Absolutely. Because I think the brain is wired to take shortcuts. Yeah. And if we can take shortcuts by asking someone who's already done that, then by all means, yeah, let's abs- go down that route. Absolutely, and I, and I think those, you know, it's quite a cathartic experience, isn't
3: it? Really, if you know, um, I recently um, met up with a uh, uh, someone who I've got a lot of respect for has just taken over a partnership role in, in a law firm, and and to you know to understand how that how that worked for her and 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 how the process was and what the challenges were and how she's come through it, you can apply anyone that's overcome a challenge you don't have to be facing a similar challenge yourself. You can learn from resilience and the way that they've handled it personally, the way they've engaged and brought people with them. I, I, I think just anytime someone's been through a challenge and they'll share that with you, I think is a real privilege. And it's unlikely that they'll share it on social media. So seeing them face-to-face is really valuable. I, I think that's, you know, and I'm, I'm I'm still just thankful that, you know, the last few years we've, we've had so little of that. It was actually, it was coming out. I was a member of the Entrepreneurs' Forum when I ran my first business so it was probably 15 years ago and it was coming out of the lockdown where I just had this thirst to reconnect with people again and one of the first things I did was 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 re engage and rejoining the forum because I think you know we've we've had a good two and a half years without that really personal connection I think it's invaluable and just what
0: what would you all be doing now if you weren't doing what you're doing would you be selling cheese again? Res or I
1: would be, I think, the one form or shape in the in the product as a part service or a hard product. I I cannot imagine anything else.
0: So still running a business.
1: Absolutely, I'm going always. to it. Yeah. yeah. I enjoy it too much. I, I'm enjoying it too much to let it go. And if you're enjoying something too much, you you can't you can't even think about the changing it. Obviously, it cannot be always not that daddy or the next one or next one. It's a new one, but I mean, all around the the same idea of the innovative new design and the new new market for it.
0: And Rosie, if you hadn't started Sarah Cotton, what what do you think you'd be doing now? Would you still be working in your previous role?
2: Yes, I'd probably still be in film, to be honest. Um, but uh, like rest sides, I was always thinking of new ideas, and um, you know, all the time waking up with new ideas. Um. So, yeah, I'd probably just be working in film, waiting for the next idea to come along. A <laughs> <laughs> die? It's hard to tell. I can't imagine
3: doing anything now, but vision of the future of where I could go. I think one thing I've learned about myself is I'm I'm actually a really good co-pilot. So if I, if I was going to be doing something different, I think I would, you know, to, to find some other entrepreneurs who, with whom I could co-pilot with my skill set whilst being a postie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I I was not
3: expecting that. Whilst being a postie, get up every morning, but only on fair weather days. So I'd get up. And only delivering to houses that they like dogs. So being a postie on sunny days
0: with a dog, that probably means I can only do it about seven days a year. But yeah. You can do it. 365 days a year. If you have a mud dad, or have the head head. Head. it all a clock, you don't bend to
1: deliver an inside, and, and a,
3: yeah. a posty outfit made out of wax. Oh,
0: <laughs> <television. insane>. Perfect. <laughs> I do know someone who gave up a very successful career to become a post person. Yeah. well, I've Just wanted to get the steps yeah. in. Absolutely.
3: If, if I think about what I love doing, I love. Working with people and making things happen. So that's always... I, I've never had a, a great... This is one thing when you say, you know, the idea, oh, you're an entrepreneur. I've never... I'm not driven by a desire to, to achieve commercial scale. I'm driven by a desire to be with interesting people doing good stuff and earning enough money as that I need and and having flexibility. The direct lines between income and work, or where, where I get these inputs in for my life, I'm I'm a bit more ambivalent about. I think really, so yeah, being a, being a postie with a pre non exec roles, would suit me just fine.
0: Sounds mm-hmm. perfect. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> perfect. Well, we're heading towards the end of the podcast, and we've got a couple of final questions for you. So we're going to forward wind the clock and look into the future and imagine yourselves at your seventieth birthday party. It's not that far. That is for Rosie (laughs) So let's imagine at your 70th birthday party You've got all your friends, your family there And we're going to ask you each What are your friends and family going to be saying about your life? Wow, what will they be saying or what would I like them to be saying? they could be
3: two very different things I'll
0: let you interpret the question
3: I would hope that the conversation would be about the fact that i'd always somehow managed to have fun whilst whilst doing some level of good and making those around me benefit and feel good i, I would like it to be about not just about me but the impact i'd, I'd had on the, i guess the communities or the, the
0: groups that I'm, I'm part of i think that i think your party is going to be a fun party as well <laughs> absolutely With lots of of dogs and good weather gear for the outside yeah. <laughs> Rosie what will they be saying about you it's, I think there's going to be a sustainability theme
2: yeah hopefully yeah well hopefully by that time in the world we will be using less plastic because you know if we carry on creating as much as what we're creating now we're going to be in big trouble so yeah hopefully you know I've, I will have built a successful brand that is at the forefront of Exploring new materials or old materials, um, and yeah, create you know beautiful designs that make people happy is something I strive for.
0: I'm picturing your party. There's going to be amazing bunting, <laughs> lots of bunting, beautiful. lots of flowers, flowers. <laughs> and certainly no plastic cups or fruits. no no plastic <laughs> no plastic cups or straws. God forbid. <laughs> um, so that you're not going to have retired by the age of 70, so you'll be going with some business. But at the gallery. Gathering...
1: I don't have a retire as a as a ward or wife in my book at all. So I'm enjoying it, yeah. But I would, uh, I would like my family to tell me a very different thing than my friend or a business <laughs> friend. You know, as a good father or good friend or a good husband, uh, that's what I would like to hear from them. Hopefully it will happen yeah and for the friend and the business with uh, a friend i would like to change uh, he changed the market and he created a new market for a dog owner which changed the life of many many million dog owners and dog parents and go knock absolutely changed the market for a parcel delivery that's that's the only target that i have at the moment yeah and i will do it
0: Sounds like an ambitious target, Absolutely, but it's yeah. not the only target, it sounds yeah, yeah. very I, ambitious. I will
1: mean, do well, I, I will achieve it, yeah.
0: Well, I think we're both, all of us in this room, we're excited to see what happens with Go Knock Knock. Absolutely. We wish you all the best.
1: Talks a lot. Uh, we're
0: excited to follow the journey and with Sarah Cotton I think both of you have got exceptional businesses that will go somewhere Okay. and Adai is here to help absolutely <laughs> I've the <could> ride <laughs> well thank you very much for coming thanks for you. your conversation and we will catch up soon
1: that's all thank you
0: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Tune in next time for another exciting cast of entrepreneurs.